Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gulf War, the battle after the war. Today I'm going to cover a myriad of topics. We also have a returning special guest, Sarah Boyd from Operation Truth, to give us a few updates on what's going on on their home front as far as events and where you can expect to see them. But first, I'd like to talk about a meeting that I attended last week via phone. A young lady named Kimberly Adams reached out to me and asked me to join. She's from the Research Advisory Committee, and she also invited all veterans and family members as well as civilians to join this conference to discuss issues and to tell our stories. The turnout was very small in my opinion. From what I heard, there was about 20 people on site and I think only six or six to 10 of us on the phone. And there, there were varying stories, but the uh, Gulf War illness symptoms remain very similar amongst all of us. I also, uh, as I told my story, made some suggestions such as adding a chaplain or a counselor to the exit physical. Um, if anyone is ending their duty station and transferring to another one, having that same access during that uh, time frame, I don't think they necessarily have an exit physical at that point, but they do have a process to go through to switch. Uh, they're getting their orders or um, finding a way their way to the next duty station that they're assigned to. I think having that person there to refresh their memory about what they just went through and discuss a little bit about what they were exposed to, as well as maybe what kind of health concerns they might have or any questions they might have that they didn't get a chance to ask their doctor before they moved on. Right now, I don't think that's currently in place. And if it is, it's grossly overlooked. The other thing that I discussed with them was the uh, antiquated software system that they're using. If they're using Windows XP, then the software that they're using to track us and communicate with us is antiquated as well. So that needs to be updated. The last thing that I dis uh, discussed with them was consistency. Currently, there is no consistency. If you go to the VA in Florida, there's a pretty good chance you won't have a good experience. If you go to the VA in Delaware or Michigan or um, any one of these other states, there's a good chance you may have a good experience. It shouldn't be that way. It should be consistent across the board. We should be able to get the same care no matter what state we live in. And that's currently not the case. Um, the other thing that uh, was doctors and nurses and how they care for us. Currently, there are still doctors in the VA system that are over-prescribing meds. There are still doctors in the system that are just punching a card, coming in, sitting at their computer while the veteran sits there and waits, and then gives him five minutes to give him six months worth of data. And then he acts like he's typing that stuff in or she acts like she's typing that stuff in and then the appointment is over with and you're on your way and you have no idea where you're at at that point. So those doctors need to be removed. We can't sue them. We can't hold them liable personally because they're covered under the corporate umbrella. But the VA can do something about it. The VA can remove these people that don't care 
and are only there to collect a paycheck and put people in who do care and are willing to not necessarily go the extra mile, but to do their job, make sure that we are getting what we need. We're being diagnosed with what we actually have and not what they think we have. And, and the nurses fall under that same umbrella. They need to, they need to have that same responsibility. And if they don't, then they need to go somewhere else. So they need to get out of the, the industry and get into something else because there's just no time for it in this particular case, especially. You know, if, if they cared and we felt that they cared, I think they would find that the veterans would become a lot nicer and a lot easier to deal with and things would get done a lot quicker. You know, going back to the software issue, there's no reason in the world why they couldn't send out our appointments via email. There's no reason in the world why they can't communicate a simple response through email. They have secure messaging. Everybody signed up for it by now, I'm sure. If they aren't, then go to the website and sign up for it because it's the best way and the most accurate way for you to keep record of your conversations with the VA. Because until all this stuff gets resolved, you need physical evidence that conversations took place and that's the best way to do it. So that's my piece on that. Um, Sarah, go ahead and tell us what's going on with Operation Truth. Uh, thank you for having me on. As, he, as Mark said, uh, my name is Sarah Boyd. I'm the founder of Operation Truth, Go For Illness, Suffering, Unite. And I just wanted to speak to the the same meeting that you called in for last week. Karen Block, Dr. Karen Block, who works at the VA. She's one of the executive directors for the research advisory committee for Go For Illness. And she has um, discussed with me what they were gathering the information for and what their purpose is, is to put together a letter for the secretary of the VA on all the data gathered for what they call an intergenerational effects of Gulf War exposure. Concept would incorporate the veteran themselves and then their first for that uh, for these studies. Now, I don't know if it's going to incorporate the entire Gulf War era to include the 9-11 veterans as well and their family members, but I do know it's, it will include a long-term effect so if she's if no more more likely or not we'll be starting with the desert storm Gulf War era and their family members and then have an additional research um, portion for the 9-11 and their family members and the non-deployed in there as well and she did speak to the, um, that fact that she's going to be speaking to her other veteran I mean excuse me her other VA committee members and determine what the best route will be for our vaccine injured who are not deployed in their family members. Um, they might uh, try to do the same type of letter to the secretary of the VA instead of having to go through a congressional bill uh, or possibly do some other type of research um, through a different means. Um, so that's, that's great news, a great contact out of that. Um, that call in last week and so we should be knowing here in the short future of you know what to expect from the VA going forward um, 
on the non-deployed uh, vaccine injured and their family members as well. That's awesome. That's that's good that they're willing to take an interest like that. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Um, we do have a few other events locally that are going on with our our partner um, veteran organizations. One I wanted to mention was Lighthouse for Veterans. They're a great organization that's uh, ran by a family member of a veteran. She lost to uh, suicide, unfortunately. So she put together this charity to bring awareness of uh, the fact that we lose over 22 veterans a day to suicide and um, the fact that she lost her brother. And this has been the third year that she's been putting on these events and she's allowed us to have information tables at her upcoming events um, here in the near future starting next month. But uh, the main event that's going on for Operation Truth is our March on Lansing here in Michigan. It's their legislation day this Wednesday where we'll have the opportunity to speak to our local Congress members. So. I'm going there to speak to the Veterans Committee and a few other members to get them to back our um, our congressional bill that's currently for review and edit. And um, the more the Congress members that we can get to back our bill, the more probable we will get all the information in the bill to be passed into law. So that's our major events coming up. Um, if you are willing and able to volunteer, we are always looking for help. We need researchers, we need individuals that can assist in finding uh, congressional hearing subject matter experts for our hearing next year. Um, we need individuals that like to uh, do marketing, that know um, any, that uh, have any type of digital skills sets or um, especially treasury type positions skill sets. I am in need of a, an honest individual that can put in some um, hard work on our treasury department. We have to ensure that the funding grants and other things that we receive are within the IRS tax law and that can be quite challenging. So uh, if you have, if anyone out there has some time and would like to volunteer, we need to grow our numbers so that we can meet our mission and I would gladly take any help available. So thank you for having me on the show and that's what's going on with Operation Truth right now. And let me know if you would like to join us. Awesome. I do want to add to that the, uh, the resources that were also provided from last week's uh, phone in. They suggested um, let's see, what was it? Family studies, exams of children, auditory issues, heart issues. Um, and they mentioned National Military Family Organization, American Legion, and the other one I didn't know about was American Legion Auxiliary. And as far as studies, publichealth.va.gov forward slash exposures with an S forward slash clinicaltrials.gov. And there was um, the airborne registries. You want to register with airborne, regist airborne hazard registry, the traditional Gulf War registry, toxic embedded fragments registry, and uranium exposure registry. If any of those apply, make sure you Google those real quick and go ahead and go through the process to register with them. 
And that was it for that. I did uh, comb through some of the other Gulf War groups and I came across one that I wanted to bring up because I felt it was kind of important. Uh, the gentleman has a very um, heartfelt request from the public and I'm gonna go ahead and read this. But before I do, I just wanna make the statement that it can be a little vulgar, so this would be a good point for you to stop your podcast. Uh, if you don't wanna explain anything that you don't need to to your children, it's, it's uh, pretty forward. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and read this. Uh, a gentleman says, I posted this on my own feed this morning. Please support our veterans. We need your help. You, the voter, I need your help. Last night, I was in so much pain that it literally took my breath away and brought, brought me to tears at dinner in front of my spouse and, ch and children. It took me about 30 seconds to recompose myself in the middle of a neighborhood restaurant, suck up the pain, and drive on with my airborne mission of surviving, enduring, and hiding the pain. By 8 p.m., my body was so exhausted and worn out that I had to go to sleep. I was in too much pain and too worn out to take off my clothes. It was too much effort. My sense of balance was gone, so I couldn't even walk across the room without having to hold onto the walls to keep from falling. I woke up at 4 a.m. in pain and covered in sweat. I stood up too fast trying to get to the bathroom and almost passed out, falling back into the bed because the autonomic neuropathy no longer allows my body to control changes in my blood pressure. It was a struggle just to go pee in the middle of the night. I'm constantly in pain I'm constantly tired and fatigued. By midday, most days, my brain is too tired to concentrate anymore, and working on anything is, monumental, is a monumental task. My daily existence sucks. I'm getting worse week by week. The doctors don't know why. They can't explain it. Each week is worse than the last, and there is no end in sight beyond death. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to die, and I would never quit. But death will be a sweet release when it comes. The only pain medication I have been prescribed is prescription medication for the nerve pain, over-the-counter ibuprofen for the inflammation, muscle pain, and joint pain, and a NSAID ointment for when individual joints swell to the point of needing to be drained, over-the-counter Tylenol, and Percocet for when the pain is too much for the rest of the drugs to work. My doctor tells me Sorry, my doctors tell me that I'm a prime candidate for medical marijuana. The latest studies show that THC would probably be better than the gabapentin at, sorry, gabapentin treating my nerve pain and the CBD would be, um, would do at least a good of job if on the inflammation of joint muscle pain without damaging my liver, kidneys, GI tract, like the ibuprofen is slowly doing but I can't get my medical marijuana card, even though it is legal here in Maryland, because that could screw up my appeal against the VA and would cause me to lose my security license. Losing my security license would mean losing my job. And speaking of the VA, I've had to retain legal counsel to appeal my appeal with the VA. Even though the only triple board doctor in America, an autoimmune, autoimmune expert at Johns Hopkins can 
cannot explain the cause of many of my symptoms and is considering sending me to the NIH and the VA for further testing and treatment of those symptoms. A single doctor at the VA looked at my autoimmune diagnosis and said, all my unexplained symptoms can be explained by the autoimmune condition. He thinks he is smarter than the best autoimmune doctors in the world who disagree with him. And just like that, after thousands of dollars of my money and dozens of hours of their time filling out paperwork, reports, DBQ forms, jumping through hoops on my behalf, the VA denied my claim and still has me rated at a 0% disabled. I don't know how much longer I will be able to work, but according to the VA, it's not their problem. On top of this, I have followed the news coverage of the three veterans who killed themselves at VA facilities this week. I get their suffering and their sense of betrayal they felt towards the VA. What little honor and airborne pride I have left would never let me quit my fight like that. It hurt my family, my friends, but I get it. And I feel embarrassed and ashamed to feel pride and thankfulness towards these three suffering brothers in arms who took their lives publicly at the VA in protest. Godspeed, brothers. I hope you finally have an end to your suffering, but I have to tell you, I also feel all hope of this getting fixed is gone. Us veterans are literally killing ourselves at the VA to bring attention of these problems to you, the American voters. And to be quite honest, you don't give a fuck. Sure, you all will say your kind words online, but are any of you as outraged as I am? Are any of you taking action? Has any of you written your representatives, called your representatives, sent letters to the president? I have. We veterans who took an oath for you have written a blank check. We have signed it with our full names and our hands raised an oath. That check says payable to the United States of America and its people. The amount payable is my life and my body. I knew I could die in a war when I took the oath and still I proudly volunteered. I volunteer again to be in the Airborne Paratrooper and proudly served with some of them from the 82nd Airborne and 11th Special Forces Group. I still try to live by the Airborne Creed and my family uh, in my daily life today. I will never surrender while I still have the means to fight, though I may be the last paratrooper. I will strive to uphold the honor and prestige of my outfit, making my country proud of me and the unit to which I belong. When all my body has left and a day, I'm sorry, when, when all my body has left for me in a day is pain, all that I have left to keep me going is trying to an example for my kids and provide for my family. I was reminded recently that I often suck at the good example thing but I will never surrender. I will continue to strive to do my best, to endure, to overcome, and to be my best, even when my best sucks. But I can't do this alone anymore. My heart aches that my brothers and sisters in arms are suffering and dying, some at their own hands, and you sit silent. I fall into the trap too, caught up in the scandals of the day, the latest TV shows, the daily grind of making it through the workday and trying to figure out what is for dinner. I get it, but isn't it time to look at, look past the bread and circuses, see the men and women who have died or are dying on your behalf and lend them a hand out of respect and some sense of personal debt for the check we wrote to you. 
the people of the United States of America. Please, us veterans need your help. Claims are constantly denied by the VA when all the experts provide evidence supporting the claim. From 2010 to 2015, the VA approved only 17% of claims, or to put it in actual numbers, 18,000 of 102,000 for healthcare and disability compensation for veterans suffering from Gulf War illness. I was one of those 102,000 and one of the 84,000 who was denied. We need a better system the disability compensation and the healthcare they need. The VA health system is being overhauled and out. We need oversight to make sure veterans get good health care out of whatever the new system is. And we need to let the doctors decide what medications and treatments are in the best interest of their patients. I should not lose my security clearance, my job, my livelihood, and any other rights just following my doctor's orders for treating my symptoms with what scientific studies have proven is the best treatment. Here at the end of my plea, if you are, thank you for investing your time. I beg you to invest a little more. Take the time to contact your representatives at state and federal levels. Let them know you're outraged that our veterans are being denied disability compensation, denied medical treatment, and denied access to medical marijuana for conditions where it is scientifically proven treatment. I particularly ask for our veterans like me who are suffering with Gulf War illness and have been denied again and again. And that's where he ends his letter. So it's just a loud cry from another veteran saying the same thing that we're saying. I love my questions. So it's, it's important that everybody speaks up. And that's uh, that's all I have for today. Sarah, did you want to add anything? Uh, yes, uh, I just wanted to add one more thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's, current, there's a new um, bill going through Congress right now that uh, was introduced, I believe, to both the House and the Senate. And I posted it on Oper Operation Truth social media sites, but I wanted to go ahead and and say it here as well, because it's touching um, a lot of uh, what was part of your story and um, why veterans aren't getting the care fully that they deserve and, and being aware of all therapies possible to treat their PTSD and other medical conditions. So um, I'm just looking up to see what that number is so that I can say it here in this forum. But I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I'm almost there. Uh, so much. No, that would be great. That would be uh, a nice resource. Yeah, so um, here it is. Uh, it's called the Veterans Medical Marijuana Safe Harbor Act. And what they're asking for in addition to being able to transport your cannabis on federal installations, as veterans do every time they go onto a, 
uh, VA clinic or hospital is a federal installation, be able to tra to use their cannabis on these federal installations and be able to have real conversations with their doctors on therapies uh, for cannabis usage of chronic pain and otherwise. So with this bill, they are hoping to gain $15 million for the study of cannabis on chronic pain in veterans. So they've already confirmed that PTSD, I believe through research that PTSD is a, a great, or cannabis is a great therapy for PTSD. So what they're trying to now do is throughout this research and introducing this bill is to confirm that it is a great use for chronic pain. As we as veterans using it already know, but with this study, and this bill will be able to talk to our doctors at the VA about using for chronic pain and other uses. Um, not, I'm not sure about getting it prescribed because of the nature of, me of medical cannabis and the way that it is um, given to us now as patients. It's not like you can go to the pharmacy and pick up, you know, a, a thing of weed, you know, or some good old indica you have to get it from a grower or go to the dispensary so i'm not sure what the parameters of of the doctor you know um being able to prescribe it but i do know that they with this bill will allow you to have conversations with your doctor at the va um, they will be able to recommend cannabis for your chronic pain and otherwise and in it, uh, you'll be able to use your cannabis on the federal installations and they'll be having this study they're conducting um, to confirm uh, how great cannabis is on chronic on the use of chronic pain. So, uh, all good things with this bill. It's called the Veterans Medical Marijuana Safe Harbor Act, and I suggest that each and every one of you contact your Congress members. It's um, a Senate and House bill, but the Senate bill number is S four four five. And you can contact your senators uh, at your local level and let them know that we need this bill passed. This is extreme, um, an extreme need, not just for our fellow veterans, but for the American populace as a whole. The research that they are conducting will be used to uh, confirm other government agencies in um, possibly taking consideration of taking cannabis out of the category one status that the DEA has put it in. Um, so this is great news and uh, please do what you can to uh, get the word out on this Veterans Medical Marijuana Safe Harbor Act. Definitely. If you have that link, go ahead and send it to me and I'll post it on my page as well. Sure. That's a huge step forward. Did you want the link on Facebook or the actual link to the bill itself? Um, the bill itself would be great if you have it. That way they can read it direct. Sure. I'm sending it to you now. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate all the great information that you put out on your podcast. And um, have a great week. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you again. I look forward to uh, talking to you again in the future. All right. Take care. All right. You too. And don't forget to hug a vet.